Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. And the latest edition is uh, possibly not going to be as upbeat and positive as the last one, I'm afraid. Uh, obviously, we're going to focus largely on Saturday. The FA Cup defeat at the hands of Leicester and the subsequent fallout, which has been interesting, to say the least. It's me, Greg O'Keefe, the Echoes Everton editor, and with Phil Keck-Bride, Everton correspondent, Gav Buckland and Tony Scott, who you've probably seen trying to avoid fists and uh, curled-up echoes and <laughs> half-eaten kebabs outside Goodison Road after a game when he's trying to film to get everyone's reaction to the games. Right, let's start with you, Toe, because I think I can sense you're about to erupt to my left. Um, no one was in a good uh, frame of mind after that, that game, and still aren't. But what's your thoughts on the match itself? The match itself looked as if it was it was going nowhere. We had it in the bag, didn't we? After as soon as we took the um, we took the lead, and you think that that's it. But we harp on back to the, the Merseyside derby again. The strength and depth in the squad, and we're bringing Aruna Kone on here, like we did. We're bringing Calvin Lewin on. It's, it's, it's you're feeling sorry for for Ronald Koeman. His hands are tied with the squad that he's got. Yeah, he's squeezing every ounce of effort out of the players that he's got. But it's simply not good enough. Now, you go back to the Merseyside derby. What did we bring on? Calvin Lewin. Liverpool bring on Daniel Sturridge. They get the winner. Now, let's go back to Saturday again. We bring on Aruna Kone. They bring on Musa. And he scores two goals. I'm afraid just that's just a difference. Because there's nothing in them games. There's nothing in the Everton-Liverpool one. There's nothing in the Everton-Leicester one. But that extra bit of quality off the bench that Ronald Koeman wants, he hasn't got. And that, that was the sole difference between the, between the games. Strength and depth, Gav. Has Tony got a point there? Uh, strength and depth, I'd certainly affected. I know what you're saying about the Evan Leicester game. I think the Evan Liverpool game was a slightly different thing. I think we were under cost there in the second half, really, so I'm not sure whether that fits in well there. But I know what you're saying about Saturday. I think the problem is for Saturday was the, the, the line up of the team, or more like the, the way they were set up. Um, that on face value, it looked as though we had like eight, eight players who'd played the previous game. But actually, when you look at the outfield players, out of the ten, I think only five of them were filling the same positions as what they were against uh, Southampton. Um, and there was two two positional changes within that, which were Coleman to sort of wide right midfield or whatever you would call mm. that, and Barkley to, to wide left. And I think that disrupted the um, sort of um, the pattern of the team. Uh, having played reasonably well in the second half against Southampton, um, and it meant Bar- um, Coleman... And Holgate, it just didn't work in the first half. They did for a number of reasons where they were getting each other's way. And I think, um, you know, it, it, it's a big jump to go from full-back to right midfield, even though Coleman started his career eh? and, and that showed to me on, on Saturday. Uh, and that affected Holgate's game. And, and if you watched Everton over the last 18 months or so, you know that Barkley may be many things, but the wide left midfield that he, he ain't. Um, and I think um, that, um, you know, that start, the way the team was set up, didn't help us. Um, and that affected us in you know during the game and, and Ross was was going back to your point yeah. so I mean I, I know what you're saying but Ross was taken off wasn't he? You weren't doing much though was he? Well that's what I mean but he, you know Barry was still on the pitch wasn't he? I mean well, that's one of the things that supporters have picked up on. A lot when I spoke to the fans outside the ground after the match and he said why was Gareth Barry left on the pitch for 19 minutes treading water? Well, no, I, I, I know the answer I gave. Is that the decision of, of, of someone you feel sorry for? Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, is that what's his alternative? Come on, who's, who's on that bench? Who's on that bench? Here's, to... here's one for you. The conspiracy theorist, he's one, he's one to add to it. And I can't take credit for sort of, you know, maybe all of this, but 
you know, as you've mentioned there, Michael Ball in his column yesterday and this morning, you've seen it. He he said he couldn't understand at all why Barkley was brought up for Coney. But just while you were talking there, it just came to me. I just wondered, has Ronald done it to make a point? Has he gone, right, I need a striker to come on the, onto the pitch here to, to really jumpstart this this game, get us back into it. And I'm going to make a point that the only striker I've got available is a Bruno Coney. That's cutting your nose off to spite your face. Well, I don't know. I'm just asking the question. Well, it's like saying Klopp played all the under-23s to prove a point that his squad's not good enough. I don't know. It, you know, I think... Uh, yeah, just yeah, if, it, you don't do yeah. that against the that, That's hurting the football club more than your own self-pride. I, I think that's a fair point. So, but I also see Phil's point. I mean, there's at least one former Liverpool manager who's an expert at that. Uh, my Liverpool support and friends tell me. Um, and um, I, I, there's a point, but it, 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 Tony's right. It just shows you, you know, our lack of strength and depth, um, which was which was was there. And also, you know, dare I say, what was shown in the in the you know Kilmer's comments afterwards about how, how you know urgently that needs to be addressed. No, no, what something surprised me. Well, it, it doesn't anymore now. Is that we lost in the derby? A couple of weeks ago, one nil, last minute killer. Interviewed the fans after the whistle. Oh, it's one of them. Used to it now, and we got knocked out of the cup in the first round. Again, and I interviewed the fans. Oh, it's one of them, and it's just another year goes on. Twenty three years. I'm thinking, how long is this going to go for? Just accepting it. I'm, th- I'm thinking, this is why. I don't know what it is we need to change, but everyone's just come accustomed to losing now. I don't know whether it's the boards. The fans, the players, the manager, we're just so accustomed to, oh, well, it's one of them, 23 years, we go again, we'll lose next year's derby, we'll lose another cup game, and we'll go on for 24 years and 25 years. It's it's sad that we're accepting it. And I wonder if if Liverpool, Tottenham, Man United, Manchester, all these teams that Everton inspire to be or be, be amongst the category of, if Manchester, all them teams were knocked out in the first round of the FA Cup at home to Leicester, and if they were losing last-minute winners... Um, last minute, if you're losing last minute games against the Derby rivals every single season, the fans would be up in arms a lot more and the, the balls would be up in a lot more. I think that the whole responsibility on the football club needs to change and I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, let's listen to last week's pod. I don't think people accept it and that's why there was so much posit- posit- positivity. I hate that word. It always reminds me of the Spice Girls for some reason. You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, you know what I mean? It's like that's why there was so much, you know, Goodwill and, and around last week's um, general meeting, wasn't it? Because people saw a way from that of, of addressing those sort of last-minute defeats, getting knocked out in the cup in the third round as a way forward. If people were blasé about it, they just wouldn't really pass any comments about the, the general meeting. The fact that they see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel indicates to me that people still do take it to heart and don't like getting beat in the third round or don't like losing derbies well, why have we come accustomed to it for so long then Gav? it's the norm now isn't it we get knocked out of the third round well no, we don't I'm, I'm losing last minute failures every single year it's been going on for far too long yeah, but, but it goes back to when we just yeah. when we had the same conversation after the derby this isn't this that 22 you know we're talking about a new era now aren't we so it's the start of a new era it's going to hopefully change it so yeah, we've become accustomed to it, you say, and fans say the same, but that's but that's what was before this. This team is being changed, this club is being changed. So come back to me again in another 22 years, and if they have the same <laughs> response, then we've got a concern. The pro- yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. That's, it's a valid point. 
you, that you make the problem Everton have got and, and Fahad Mashiri has got is you can't quite so easily truncate people's emotional football following lives and say right un, under right right off all that ups and downs mostly downs well, all those disappointments all those hardships you face as an Evertonian and just wipe the slate clean you may never have seen Everton win a trophy in your life, lifetime wipe the slate clean and go to reset the calendar to year FM Fahad Mashiri and off we go people can't quite mm. so easily do that and that's why I think we go from the elation of the general meeting to the frustration of not getting deals over the line by the second week of January but going back to the, to the disappointment the t- you're not going to change that though equally is it? In, one, in, one, in one six month period so but it's, it's double edged sword, isn't it? You, you, what, what it's, diff- it's difficult, and it's you know it's far too long. But I think the fact that the new investors in, on board, a new manager with ambition, a new a new feel about the place, generally speaking, that that situation aside, you've got to feel you've got to look forward more. I think that that's that that's the key because. But don't they need to see that, Phil? They need to see. Three or four, twenty-five million pound signs. They well, need well, to yeah, see all this the because needs, well, the team needs to get better. Obviously, but they're not seeing it. Well, not, well, well, not at this very moment. No, obviously. Time, but there's still time. And you know, we, we've said all along there's a couple of transfer windows to um, to look, you know, to address that. I mean, I was trying to think of an analogy about where we are at the moment, and I was thinking about it. Uh, but a bit like moving house. It's like we sold our old house. You're talking about the squad and the, and the team. We sold our old house in in, in the August. We've been living in temporary accommodation up until like the first week in January. <laughs> first week in January, we've moved into a bigger, better, brighter house, but unfortunately, it's a hell of a lot of renovating. We've so only moved to, to the water side department. To get it right. And, and I still got some of the old furniture. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, so you might go back to your analogy, we might be able to still look at our old home, but we're living in our new home, but it needs a hell of a lot of renovating for us to, yeah. to get it right and, and, and to be comfortable and I think that's the best analogy I can, I can draw that with no associate with where, where we stand at the moment well uh, just drawing back onto that the, the final 11 that finished the game there was one Ronald Koeman son doesn't that say a lot the, the, the hands he's been dealt with is just full of David Moyes' dead woods <laughs> and Roberto Martinez's signs isn't it I think I think Everton are going to the you know the board and Ronald Koeman and Steve Walsh are going to face growing pressure the longer the wait for for new uh, recruits it goes in January because of what we've just discussed here. The summer, again, there was mitigation. It was a new system. didn't go to plan. People have said all along, January has to go. We've all said it, you know, ad infinitum. January has to be smoother. Things have to happen earlier, despite the excuses about it's not a very good window to work in. And we're sensing things aren't going quite as, as Ronald Kim would like. So... I think fans are entitled to feel frustrated, and especially when it's compounded by results like Saturday, where you effectively get the only real significant hope of doing anything this season to make it memorable or make it feel like a special season, extinguished in such a lacklustre fashion. You know, without kind of dwelling too much on the game, because we've all probably poured over that or, or not. Some people probably didn't even want to, want to watch match of the day. Phil, I just wanted to check what you thought about Ronald's assertion that Tom Davis was the best player on the pitch. I wasn't really sure he was. I think he was. He certainly didn't play badly. Lots of no. plus points, but I, I rather think he was trying to make a point by yeah. singling him out there. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought Tom had a decent game. I didn't think he was necessarily, you know, that, if that's the manager's opinion, that's his opinion. But I suspect, as you say, he was perhaps trying to reinforce a point that 
in inverted commas, the best player on the pitch was the young lad making his fourth ever Premier League start. As you say, I thought Tom had a decent game. I thought he played better in previous weeks, but whatever. You know, it's not it's not a criticism of Tom. You know, he's he's a young lad learning his way and, and you know and deserved to play. But I think he was used as a highlight to highlight the issues more so than anything. Yeah, like I said, I was told to you, wasn't I, at half-time? It fell about Tom Davis. And I think um, I think it's probably only a temporary measure because, like, obviously McCarthy's out and there's no disagree on, for obvious reasons, on, on Saturday. But I don't see him, his future as playing in front of the, the back four. I don't think he's mature enough. And it, it, um, his skill set is more, I think, for playing further up the pitch. I think he's a, he's a risk player, isn't he? You know, the type of balls he plays and that mm. type of stuff where, where he, he'll try and, like... You know, play somebody in, uh, take a risk. It might not always come off, but when it does come off, you know, it's real danger there. And I think you can do that playing further up the pitch. Mm. If you play that game further, further towards mm. your own defence, and you get caught out, then I think you, you know, you you you're placing everybody at risk. And I, I think I think his natural position for me is as one of the three behind the striker, or if you're playing four three two, mm. maybe one one of the three. I don't think. There's many. There's not many eighteen-year-olds who play in front mm. of the back four. There's been in any any yeah. team. And I think what we saw on on Saturday and sort of the previous week, hopefully, is just a temporary, temporary thing because of an absence of bodies in that, that area. I think you'll see him when he's most effective further up, up the pitch. What have we learned then, Greg, from maybe only two or three weeks ago that Ronald Koeman said that some of these youngsters aren't good enough to play for the first team yet? Yeah, three weeks later, he's saying Tom Davis is the best player on the pitch. So obviously something's amiss. Something's not right there for me. I suppose it's it's going somewhat to underline the point that you made at the start of the podcast that his options at the moment mm. are dwindling in some degree. You know, he, he needs to. James McCarthy is continuing to be a, you know, really kind of frustrating absence because what we really ideally wanted was him to slot straight into Idrissa Gay's boots while he was offered Senegal in the African Cup of Nations. That's not happened, so he's, he's having to rely on Tom. And I agree with the Gav a position that's not really. What, where an 18 year old should be playing Dominic Calvert-Lewin I agree with you so you know he's coming off the bench to try and change a derby it's just not it's not fair on the lads in a sense and I don't really think he's at that level of having a sustained impact in the first team if I'm really honest yeah. Phil no more he watches the under 23s um, most weeks so again it brings us back to for me to this urgency to try and get players in I mean, where we're at at the moment, obviously, just to underline people who've been living underneath a rock for the last week or so, um, Adam Luckman, uh, a 19-year-old, 18, 19? 19-year-old 19. Mm-hmm. is the only incoming player so far. Um, and Schneiderlin uh, appears to be dragging a little bit. Uh, from what we understand, they haven't agreed a fee yet with, with United. Uh, and Memphis Depay, likewise. Well, take your pick. Initially, we understood that Everton wanted to sign him permanently. Uh, there's some suggestions now that they want to loan him. What we understand, Phil, that United aren't going to sanction any loan to Everton, certainly, yeah. to another Premier League club. So I suspect Everton are going to get short shrift if they try and you know, persuade United or try and ask for a loan. So what concerns me, and it's a point I made on Saturday when Phil and I were talking back here after the game, is there's a look, Everton don't have to make their dealings public and the media don't have to understand what's going on that's not uh, something that's Everton's concern really but my concern is that Everton's transfer policy and, and the clarity of which they're 
communicating, not with the media, other clubs. And at the moment, I'm not convinced that things are happening as smoothly as they should be. I'm concerned that it could be a bit more streamlined. I think you've got still that newness of structure, director of football, manager, chairman, chief exec, uh, and then Mashiri somewhere in the middle of all that. I'm concerned that that's not helping things move as quickly as they should. To me, nothing's changed since the summer. Nothing's changed. Why are we dragging this out? It looks to me as if Morgan Snyder, it's two million, three million tops, whichever, not haggling over now. This is a, this looks to me as if it's Ronald Koeman's number one priority player. That's who he wants. Now we're dragging our heels because X, Y, Man United's won twenty-four million. Evan Williams played twenty-two, whatever it is. Pay. What, what, what's the difference? Why not pay? Now, Man United can easily say to Everton, well, I'm not being funny. If you still want if you're not, we've said you how much we want. Now, if you still want them, fine. We can sell them to West Brom if they want to bid 24 million for them. If not, we can let them rot in our reserves. It's fine by us. We're one of the richest clubs in the world. Fine. Oh, he's one man for, to pay? Well, you're paying that for them. Now, if you don't want them, we're not loaning you to them. Why should we loan to them? Someone else in Spain or Italy will pay that money for them. So why would they do that? They're my Man United. The, the ball's in their court there. They, they, they're the richest club in the world, one of them. So why, why are they willing to lose money for Everton? Who are, and Everton are desperate to sign players. They know that. They know Everton want any kind of decent play that's going at the moment. So why should they lower the value of, one, of a sellable asset like Morgan Schneider? They know Everton are desperate. Pay the money. Pay two million, whatever it is. It's absolutely stupid what Everton are doing, and if you lose them, all hell breaks loose with the fans. You know what's slightly conflicting about Everton's um, apparently anyway they're thinking is that in the summer they went and paid top whack for Yannick Balassi. Now it, it, it leads back to the assumption you can't sort of ignore that Yannick Balassi was con- was picked by consensus. Yet yeah, we 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 all agree we need Yannick Balassi or a player like that. They want 25 million upwards of 28. Yep, yeah, we'll pay it. It brings you back to the to the inescapable feeling that not everybody is completely sold on spending 22 million pounds on Morgan Schneiderlin. Yeah, hence Phil. hence why we are at this point where he's not in the door as the manager wants, and why Everton are haggling over the last few million or so. Well, it's just the same people who are willing to pay 30 million on Sissoko on the last day of the transfer window. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It seriously doesn't well, make sense. It, it makes sense, and going back to Greg's point, though, doesn't it about the governance around the transfer? I won't say committee, you know, but you know, <laughs> the governance around the well, transfer you know, dealings. Well, yeah, it is a, it's a committee in a sense, is, isn't it? Is who ultimately at the club says yes or no? Sure, we'd love to know. So, you know, this is you know this you know well, and, and without without sort of putting without making it too sort of crude. You, you I'm, I'm I'm expecting that Farhad signing yeah. the check. So ultimately, it's his cash. You know, it you know, all goes into the pot and whatever, but effectively he's injecting the money, which means we can be even in the conversation for players at this price. So effectively, I assume it's him, but Farhad doesn't strike me, although a very successful businessman, he's new to this game, isn't he? So I don't suspect he's going, no, yes, no, no, it's my decision. It's why he brought in Steve Wolf, it's why Koeman's in the conversation, why Bill Kenwright's still part of the conversation. And perhaps, you know, again, we're trying to, put ourselves in, in the boardroom, and maybe that is why you've got a split on certain players and perhaps why there is this delay. What I would have liked, and we said it in the summer, I you know completely accept that transfers of such value 
people of different seniority levels in the club or, or top seniority levels all want to be invested in the decision and have a say. Why wasn't Morgan Schneidel and Cumin? he hasn't decided two weeks ago, well, I wouldn't mind signing him. He's probably known that he'd be interested in Morgan Schneidel since maybe even the summer. He was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why haven't they sat down in London or Liverpool and gone through these targets and listened to all the views and made a decision, yes, no, before January? Why is it something that now is apparently a, a, a matter of um, disagreement? If they all agreed beforehand, and people might not have liked the, the answer, i.e. whoever didn't want him or whoever did want him if they decided, no, nah, he's not for us, at least there's clarity to their plan. And if you don't want him, they can move on and talk yeah. to someone else. And if they do, go and get him. Yeah, but, but maybe that's what the decision was, that people did meet and decided that we're going to bid £19 million mm. in the first week in January. Yeah. Look, that's that's that, the thing. It's two-pronged. This is absolutely nothing wrong. And it's absolutely to be applauded that Mashiri and Everton now, with all this money, are not going to have the pants pulled down yeah. and absolutely because we can't be made mugs of but equally we have got this money so there's definitely a feeling that we have to gamble a little bit we will make we'll have success with some players but we'll also sign some duds but that is going to have to be unfortunately in the short term while Ronald tried to inject and jump start the team and inject it with quality to get it going again and lift them from this mid-table nonsense that we've had for two seasons is that you're gonna we're gonna hit hit make some hits, also some misses, and that unfortunately is gonna have to be the way we operate. But equally, at the same at the same moment, try to be smart with the money, like by signing Luckman, trying to be clever and thinking long term. But equally, in the in fully in the in the knowledge that, yeah, we'll sign Gay for seven and a half million. He's been a major success. Let's just go and pay twenty two for Schneiderlin. He might not be as good as we want, but we've we've got to trust trust the manager. Well, one person who probably doesn't agree with all that, right? I know what you just said, Phil, is that Ronald Koeman, we sense a different, well, a different attitude from him, in the um, in the post-match press conference. Well, yeah. We asked him, we asked him about Morgan Schneider and Memphis Depay, and it was two stubborn answers, see the board, see the board. Well, he said, I don't know, I don't know about that, I don't know about that. Um, we'll, we'll come back to Koeman. All I'd, well, and I suppose touching on that, you're absolutely right, they don't want to, uh, and it's to be commended that they don't want to set a precedent mm. of being had off. Yeah. But you could argue in relative terms, overpaying by two million in this day and age isn't really being had off. My fear is that there's still a bit of a culture, and again, I'm sorry to people who've watched the video we did after the game, I don't want to re repeat myself, but there's still a bit of a culture of um, d deal making in the extreme, trying to shave costs down to and really what you could turn yeah. around and say was a great deal, which served Everton ever so well under David Moyes when they had a very small budget and they brought in players like Tim Cahill, Lescott, Steeles, brilliant. But Everton are operating in a different financial world now yeah. and with different aims. Yeah, and the, point, the other point I'd say on that is, when did they buy Schneider and was it? In the summer of 2015. 15, so since there's been a major jump in transfer fees in that time, so... 20, buying them for 22 million now is probably the equivalent to buying them for 24, 25 million then, isn't it? Really, mm. to think about because because of the, the ramp up in transfer fees last year because of all the TV money we've spoken about before. So you're not you're not exactly comparing like we're like comparing the 22 against the 24. So I, I'd say that I, I, do, I do think just just one point I think Tony touched on before and time with Phil's piece from Saturday is is this, does that show an inherent weakness in any academy system that when players are needed there's no there's never enough 
players in the academy good enough to step into the first team, even just for a, a couple of games. You, you you mentioned this. You mentioned that Tony about what Ronald had said, mm. and Phil, you touched on this on Saturday, didn't you? About talking about our policy has been when we've needed players, younger players, we've gone out and bought, mm. bought them. Oh, you mean which Lachlan, 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 Lachlan. Yeah, yeah, and Holgate and stuff like Lachlan. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and I, I, that's the concern I've got about, which you said before about the academy, that the difference you now years ago where you could bring three or four young, different players from the reserves, younger players in for the short term, when, and you don't appear to be able to do that now. Um, and then, consequently, you know, you know the players who've come in for us, um, you know, over the last two or three years have been players we brought in, haven't we? Yeah. For two or three million quid, rather than bringing academy players, it's the it's the deli, the classic deli, Adi, yeah. deli, the ones that have gone like in and stayed in, I'd stayed be, in. Yeah, yeah. And that's Tom, who would be the key yeah, exa- that, yeah, and and that's and with Carver Lewin has been coming from outside, yeah. hasn't he? And that's the concern, mm. which is maybe what Ronald was alluding to, but also shows, I think, how the academy system. Just generally speaking, not just talking about Evan, just doesn't appear to to work properly. That you haven't got in the short term, like we've had issues. Three, three or four players you can come in that you know would do it, do a job for you. It may not be long term solutions, but can't just fill gaps. Mm. So you end up having to bring in Aruna Kone on yeah. on on, sa- on Saturday, um, and and that 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 needs to be looked at um, by all clubs, but probably maybe ourselves. I think so, I think what Everton, as an example, they do not want to lose their reputation, as you mentioned, as, as tough negotiators in the boardroom. And I think it's absolutely right to maintain that because they don't want to be seen as soft touches and become, in greatest respect, I look at it from the outside, so I, you know, I don't, don't claim to know the, anything particular that's going on. But to me, West Ham, in the last 18 months, have just spent... They seem to spend a lot quickly, and there didn't seem to be from the outside and looking at the troubles they're in now. There didn't seem to be any great strategy. They just seem to be paying top whack for players. Uh, you know what I mean? In that type of Everton, do not want to go into that 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 problem where they they're having this problem solved by spending just money on anybody. Mm. But as I said before, there has to be a degree of risk taken for now. But the other side of that, Phil, is that surely the boards are looking at this and thinking Everton are seventh in the league. Now, the likes of Stoke and all these other teams that finished above them last season. Now, West Ham, another example, and it goes, this goes on, Everton finished 11, so you know the teams that finished above us last season. Now, Everton are above them, yeah. with a great chance to literally cement that yeah, seventh yeah, yeah, spot, yeah, yeah. and maybe even try and sneak into the sixth spot. Now, you're looking at it thinking, he's got every ounce of effort out of these players that he's been left with. Now, surely to God, I'm, the list is endless of players we've been linked with. Just spend a few quid. We're not asking for... Morgan Schneider, if it was like 10 million extra, then yeah, fine. It's 2 million quid. And I've yet to see an Everton fan, obviously on social media, there's no gate to go by, but every single Everton fan I know is happy with Morgan Schneider. So yeah, I, I, I just, I it's agree. a no-brainer yeah, for me I, at I all. Agree. You don't know what the fans are for the rest of the transfer window as well. I mean, if you're 2 million is all right for one player, but if you end up seven or eight players paying 2 million over the odds... Well, every one of them, that's part of the and, thing, and yeah. also one of the things is, 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 is it tied into the financial fair play, isn't it? And I think you know that that's the other thing we need to bear yeah. in mind in terms of our overall strategy of, of paying. You know, it's been the players have been made quite clear that we have to live within those, those boundaries. Mm. So, yeah, it's great to go out and buy players and you know pay market value for them and maybe even a little bit more if we need to get, get them. But 
the same time you've got that yeah. that that thing of financial fair play. So anywhere we you know four if there's four or five players where you can take a million or a couple of million off their fee, it just helps you live within those uh, restrictions. So I think you said it in the summer. I think it's the end of January when we need to pass final judgments. Oh, I, 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 I know that. I know that. I can, but I we see, see frustrations, Tony. We, certainly, we, we spoke here yeah. months and months ago, and we said we've got to have two or three signings in in the first week of January. We've got to have them. It's the tenth of January, and we've signed a kid from Charlton. Are you talking about because obviously Gav's taking a longer look at it and saying judging at the end, you're saying players that would come in to help in the fixtures in January. Of course, yeah, of course. Well, well, no, you, yeah, you've got games coming up now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And well, if we. If we're bringing Runa Kone on and leaving Gareth Barry on the pitch for 90 minutes, then are we going to do that against Manchester City next week? Yeah. Because we'll get absolutely annihilated. No, I, so what's the point? Yeah, I, I see too. And I think some of the frustration on Saturday with supporters, quite justifiably perhaps, was the fact that Leicester brought the lad in from Genk, hadn't he? Yeah. Who played, who came in last week, who yeah, yeah. came in and played well. Yeah. Which when you're thinking, well, actually, because of had Snyder up against him, exactly. you know what I mean? And it, so I can understand frustrations. And uh, you can, yeah. yeah, yeah you're, you're looking yeah. at Ronald Koeman as well. And from that from that press conference, it's look, you, you just it stinks to me as if not all is going to plan here. For the fans looking at that, I'm thinking, this could go either one way. If he doesn't get his own way here with these transfers, he'll walk. It was, and could you blame him? It was really interesting to, to have um, a manager who, who played it that way. I mean, Roberto Martinez didn't play it that way. David Noyes was cute how he did it. Would actually often moan and bitch and moan about the money or relative lack thereof that he had, but he'd do it. He'd do it kind of in in ways. He'd either brief the media off the record, or he'd complain and you know sort of he'd couch it a little bit, wouldn't he? Phil? He'd be a yeah, bit, yeah. bit cute about how he did it. Is what I'm trying to say a bit inarticulately. Ronald Koeman basically hung. Them yeah, out to dry, there. didn't he? Said, and said, you can, anyone with their eyes can see what, what happened today yeah. and that we need these players. Now, I've noticed a lot of people are sort of been left subsequently in a little bit of confusion, fans, this is, about what exactly he meant. And I understand that because to an extent, <laughs> all right, it's refreshing to have that honesty, but it has left a vacuum now where Ronald hasn't said anything for a few days. His next press conference is on Friday. What exactly was he getting at? Was he blaming... Was he hinting at not seeing eye to eye with Steve Walsh and that was the, the, the only problem? Is he talking about the fact that they're dragging their feet with haggling United over Schneidlin? In a way, he opened was it a, all of it. Was it all of it? And, and he opened a Pandora's box there and it's very interesting to have a manager who was willing to do that and uh, maybe it won't be the first time he speaks his mind in such a manager during the window. Yeah. I think, sorry Gav, I think, that, I think he's basically questioned the board's Ambition to sign these players. He's, he's obviously give the board a list of players. So listen, I want these. If you want to improve Everton, I want these players. Now, if you aren't getting me them, well, I'm not going to improve the football club. So whatever it takes, you know, like saying, yeah, we'll spend 30 on Sissoko in the summer and all this. It never happens. So we we spent John Stone's money. So effectively, they haven't spent a penny on Santos at all. So you're looking at it thinking, oh. well, if you're saying you got you were ambitious and we want to be in the top six and we're looking to do this and that. Well, first of all, show some ambition yeah. in the transfer window. All I'd, look, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate because not that it, I should have to underline mm. it because I think it's clear that, well, I hope it would be clear that I was made up, Koeman came in, I think yeah. he's the right manager to take Everton forward. But you've always got to remember that he still does have to hold his hands up at certain times. 
you know, you can't go out to the FA Cup in the third round at home to a team who aren't really fully invested in it and go, well, it's all the board's fault. No, I, I totally agree. And what I, what I would say as well is that, you know, Ashley Williams, in a way, with me and Phil discussing it earlier, overall, he's been a good signing. But his limitations, as they are, were brutally exposed by Leicester and that substitution. Yeah. So maybe someone on the board could say, well, hang on a second. You, I would assume it was Koeman, pushed hard to bring Williams in for 12 million. And there, you know, certainly the second goal, he was absolutely, you know, just torn asunder by mm -hmm. a direct run. It wasn't rocket science the way they got in behind him. So I, sometimes I, I think Koeman has to be a bit careful because he has got to hold his hands up in certain cases. I know what you're well. saying. I think sometimes you'll always look at it from our perspective. I think we, we scored their second goal on Saturday and said that was a good goal. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know what I mean? I think, so, you know. I, th I think Should we always you? overstate our own strengths by, you know, uh, understating Maybe, when yeah. the opposition do Maybe. good things. It's always, it's always, you always say, you know, everything's within our gift within the football pitch. Sometimes people do actually play well and put good moves mm. against each uh, I thought the first goal was probably more of a, you know, more yeah. in that category. I would, I would say, I, I agree to an extent with what you said, Greg, about Ronald has to, there's been definitely been occasions where he has not performed in certain games and, and through little periods as well as he should have done and I think he alluded to that but equally and I'm probably minded to agree if this was his standpoint he, he would go if anybody was questioning what he's done at Everton he would just go you look at the Premier League table haven't really added to the squad that much and we're seventh you know this team finished 11th the past two seasons we haven't even been playing particularly well and I've got a seventh give me some decent players and we'll, we'll go only in one direction so he'd probably go well Look where we are. Yeah, can't can't dispute that whatsoever. So going back to the other points I was going to raise, and that this has come up quite a bit this week, is this the end of our season, or going back what I was saying before about buying our new house and you know <laughs> need to build lot, lots of foundations and stuff? Is it, or is this just the start? Does actually the, the start of the next start, season, fifteen month season? <laughs> does the, actually the season start here in terms of you no know, this longer term view? We were talking about in last week's pod because yeah. of the, the the general meeting and having the stages saying three years time the work needs to be done in those three years. Does that, to me, that hard work starts now. It's yeah. not the end of the season in some respects, as I say, it's the start of the season. What, what, I, I, I got that impression and that feeling from the whole, um, the whole uh, Southampton game. First game of the new year, decent win against a side who were pushing you for seventh. Mm. And that's the feeling I got. And I don't think, it's, it's, it's a double-edged thing. Yeah, I think, the defeat in the FA Cup has really taken a lot of the shine over what will be the last four or five months of the season. And as I wrote in my stuff, what have we really got to look forward to other than maybe the odd victory and, and, and a sense of improvement on the pitch and some new players? Which is, you know, all good, but really there's not going to be much to get supporters off the seats. But equally, as you say, Gav, maybe it has to be seen as the start of, of something. And, and we spoke months ago, didn't we, about wanting to see momentum built yeah. like um, you know, Liverpool did under Rodgers in that, that season before they challenged, almost won the title. Yeah. They went a great run in the second half of the season. Yeah. It was almost like, I wouldn't say the pressure was off because the pressure is still very much on Everton, but they used it, didn't they? Absolutely. And I, and I think, as much, you know, I was hugely disappointed after Saturday and I think that was reflected in all our stuff. You know, our, our, we all spoke. But and once we've come out of this window... Touch wood with the players he wants. I think we might be sitting here reflecting a little bit more positively. I, I think so. What do you think, Greg? 
I think, you know, given that there's probably, well, there's every point in the sense that we're entitled to feel, as Phil said and you said, totally downbeat about what happened. But if you can give yourself the benefit of looking in a bit of perspective, if we do finish the season doing what Liverpool did in that first season under Klopp, and by the end, I think you've said this before, by the end of this season, we're seeing Ron, the the nucleus of what's going to be Ronald's team playing Ronald's way, mm. really kind of physical, combative, but entertaining football mm. that goes and outmuscles any of the opponents. Um, and you can see the potential of what might happen next season after another summer of strengthening, hopefully. Then I think fans might be actually, yeah, we'll accept that. We can see tangible progress. But it all feeds into, in order for him to get there, mm. this month is important. Because also, don't, don't forget, we could realistically, depending on how the League Cup and the FA Cup go, be fighting for a place in Europe yeah. seventh. So that's pretty exciting to me. Now, I know people say, oh, you're naive saying that now for what we've just been through. But as I said, if we come out of the window and it's been a positive, strengthened, uh, we've strengthened, then fighting for, for the potential of, of getting into Europe next season is something to look forward to in many respects. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing, disappointing thing about being knocked out the cup, it just deprives us of games, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I think we've got next 12 weeks, we've got nine games. I think we've the last six weeks we've played nine times. In the next 12 weeks we play, up until the first week in April, we've only got nine games. I have to think it's something to do on the pod, I know that for a start, but, you know. But so I think that that's the thing, isn't it? So that let, let gives us less opportunities to develop what we want to develop for next season. I think, I think 06, 07 was the last time you were in this position where I think we went out mm. um, of both cup competitions and we had nothing to play for from January. I might be wrong, but that, that, and we played really well. Then we already lost the game. I think we lost four out of the last 20 league games after that. And the following year, we got our like record points total at the time, 65 points under Moyes, and that was probably our best squad that we had, yeah. uh, certainly over the last 25 years, 30 years. So hopefully there's there's a little bit of um, you know lessons learned from that, and we can copy that, maybe we can get some players in and, and get the right blends right, because we just haven't got that at the moment because of the chopping and the changes. Mm. I mean, going back to stars, I mean, Coleman, Barkley, uh, Valencia, behind Lukaku must be about the 12 different <laughs> trio yeah, players yeah. behind we play behind Lukaku this yeah. season so how can we expect to get a blend when that's happening I mean I understand where Ronald's trying to try different things but the downside of that is you don't get a chance to, to create a pattern and what we're saying is now we've got an opportunity to get players in to bring good, better quality players in to develop that pattern And uh, spot on and if by the end of the season we can see that pattern clearly palpably and results back it up as well That'll be a positive. I just, I don't want to dwell too much on Saturday, <laughs> any further rather. But when Co- when Kone did come on, oh my God, he looked completely and utterly more bereft of confidence than I've ever seen him. There were a couple of instances when we had credible attacks that could have led somewhere and the lad just wilted. I almost felt sorry for him. You know, he did not want to know. He did not want to take a shot. Um, I think he is shot as a player. I think his confidence has vanished. The pace that he once had when he tore us apart in the same flaming competition when yeah. under Martinez had long gone. And it's just another signing. And look, you know, you're going over old news, but another bad signing. It's been a poor signing from day one for me. Um, and the fact that Ronald hasn't looked at him at all and then brings him on. on I, you know, feel like I wouldn't be surprised if there was a degree of, look, this is what I've got to, to deal with by, by bringing him on because 
you know, has he suddenly been shown stuff in training that suggests he can come on and mm. turn the game? Because I certainly didn't see it on the pitch. I mean, that that theory that I spoke about didn't didn't come to me until, as I said before, we sat down here. But it, what I did, what did strike me was when he brought Kone on was that it was a clear indication that they haven't they've got to play two forwards, by the way. And I think we'd seen that in flashes with Calvert Lewin against Southampton, flashes when Valencia has looked lively, and that was another um, sort of moment to highlight the fact that my God, do we need another striker? Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair point. I mean, to be fair, I was just thinking about Kone. Johnny Eisinger was probably saying, why didn't you ever play like that against me? Like, <laughs> he, did, he did him at the DW stage yeah, in, in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but you know yeah, what? Yeah. If you look at that player from that game, because yeah. I was there, he was comp- he's just not the same player. No, no. He but, smelled blood. And he absolutely zoomed down that wing, left height in there, blowing chunks. And, and, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, some would say that wasn't hard. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And punished us like yeah. just but going, going back to Phil's point and bringing Coney in, I mean, probably our best period of attacking football last year was probably yeah. in October, November, yeah. where Coney just played yeah. behind Lukaku. Like heaven strange. was how Rom described yeah, it. Yeah, was, was, was strange enough. And, and okay, I saw yeah. the 3-0 of Southampton he played just behind yeah. him, didn't he? And that... Uh, yeah, and uh, maybe that's the way forward. I think so. Um, and maybe that's with Kone. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But that's <laughs> why he was a better Kone. Yeah, yeah, well, he was. That's why I would imagine Gabby Dini was linked, wasn't he, in, yeah, the, in the summer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure whether that's. Uh, I don't think it's happen. Of, it doesn't appear to be much yeah. of a going now. To be honest, I think they've they've cooled their interest on that one. But the area still remains a priority, doesn't it? So. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'd be nice to to be able to report on uh, some incomings by the time of the next podcast. From um, Scary Spice, Tony has gone. <laughs> uh, Sporty Spice, Kirk Bride. Yeah. I'll be the ginger one. Um, and Gav, Gav's from West Derby, so he can be Posh Spice. Yeah, uh, no, too blue yeah, And yeah, if you can, yeah, yeah. if you, any of you can get to the bottom of Gav's Spice Scales it, analogy there, it, it's, then... It's, 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 they mention in the, one of the songs, don't they? Positivity. And this man, believe it or not, is one of BBC Radio Mayor's uh, music experts. And he, uh, I, I don't know. Tell you what. Check it out. I'll, I'll tell you what, next podcast, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the song it's from. Yeah. Wanna be? It might be, yeah. That was all about you know affirmation and, yeah, and kind of like girl power. Yeah. Is that what you were thinking? I think it was the first time I ever heard the word positivity. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And then we got Martinez as manager, and you heard it too often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, right, thanks for listening, and we'll be back uh, later on in the week.